Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're, you're, you're listening to the Adam Sandin podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. Keeper the side. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounce on its point, wow. The fates, the gods are with the gods. Stop laughing, it's the Outer Sanctum. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Outer Sanctum for another week. This is a place where a bunch of football-loving friends gather to scrapbook about their love (laughs) of AFL football. We'll be talking about the social, the stupid and the sublime I am Emma Race. I am Lucy Race. I'm Nicole Hayes. Alicia Sometimes. This sounds like the start of 60 Minutes. But I'm Felicity Race. Can you be Ray Martin? Oh, um, not with the wind today. No. <laughs> Can we not talk about kangaroos today? Okay, sure. Hi. There's, there's a whole thing about the culling. Are you listening to the radio? People are very upset. Do we have to start with the death of oh, kangaroos yeah, at the start of the pod? I thought you were going to talk about how North Melbourne's women's team was in Tasmania doing a that search at the a academy. That's a much happier story. Uh, so last week was um, <clears throat> last week in football. Last weekend was the most heartbreaking um, injury round I can remember because. You know, ACLs are a massive issue and there's been a couple of people who've gone down with ACLs pre-season. Um, we saw Daria Bannister in the first round for mm. the Western Bulldogs. but We'd also seen Ainsley Kemp and Sam Virgo during the pre-season and Brianna Green, unfortunately, at Fremantle who um, ruptured her ACL in training last week. Nothing gets past you, Lucy Race. I'm on it. Yeah, you well, are the on it. Dockers have five out of 31 mm. injured. Is that what happened to um, Kirby Bentley? Kirby's she, having she a knee too. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So um, this week, or last weekend, I should say, we saw Brianna Davey for Carlton and then we saw Izzy Huntington. How did you guys see that weekend play out after Memo Gate and how did the injuries affect you guys? Lucy? Well, that game, I think, Carlton and GWS, the weather really had other ideas about free-flowing football, didn't it? Mm. Because it was such heavy conditions and, again, we saw it interrupted by lightning and I was quite taken by that. I thought it was, Mm. you know, really quite an extraordinary start to the the round. The rest of the games, I thought, were much more open, fast and furious and then we had, you know, the really hot day on Sunday for the Bulldogs in Brisbane. Mm. Yeah. Was it did it was a good argument for the heat policy that that game mm. I felt it was just such a you know it's just so hard on the players and you could know ne- that they weren't able to really sort of hit their stride and it, it's really not game design for summer I don't know how they're going to get around that but 37 degrees what that if you're going to have a heat policy at all like what at what point does that what are you cut saving in? it for yeah what yeah. are you saving it for exactly uh, Collingwood Frio how exciting that was like a grand final and you've got 41,975 turning up to the news stadium in on the t-shirts as well. You know what they call that stadium? Have what? you heard this? No. The Cray Pot. 
Because oh. it looks like a cray pot. Does it? Yeah. From what, above or something? You're all looking at me with such blank faces. I'm to yeah, I'm thinking you're a cray cray pot. <laughs> I think it's full of bright red sunburnt people. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point because people were calling the 41975, whatever. They were saying that that was fake news because they couldn't see them, but they're actually just sitting up higher in the stands to get some shade. So maybe we needed to put high-vis vests on them so that all of the (laughs) knockers could see that there was actually a full We have this weird obsession, don't we, from not the people who actually follow the game, but the people who don't follow the game are so obsessed by, see, I told you no one would be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I looked at that game at Jermoyne, for example. That ground capacity is 5,000 people. Mm. 4,900-odd turned up. Um, And then, of course, the lightning hit. Um, The players ran for cover. We all heard the you know, the media run for cover. Yeah, that <laughs> and, uh, was it. And naturally the fans also ran for cover because mm. if you're not going to, you know, if lightning's hitting the ground, you're not standing out there with an umbrella. Um, a lot of people were actually told the game had been called off. Um, and so, you know, a, a, a good number hung around for when it restarted, but, you know, a lot of people left and, uh, you know, the people saying, oh, see, you know, told you people wouldn't go. It's like, well, you know, you, you put it on the ground in a suburban area where the capacity is 5,000 and you're 100 short of and that. I, I think that's met expectations. And thunderstorms are forecast, like for where there's no shelter. So, exactly. You know, I had the, the same not cows. No. Yeah. And look, I had the same thought on um, Sunday out at Casey. Um, as you get out of your car in the paddock at Casey Fields in the car park there. Oh, okay, we are cows. It was an actual, <laughs> it was an actual howling dust storm. I mean, the, there's no public transport to get there. There's no shade. There's no seating. There's, you know, you have to commit to driving to North Cranbourne. And then people say, oh, see, nobody turns up. Um, the yeah. difference when you put a game on a ground in a metropolitan area that With has decent transport. lighting, public transport and everything. And shelter. Look what can be mm. achieved. Mm. I know, it's extraordinary. I wonder if that will catch on for AFLX. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I liked last last round? I, um, I saw a number of players that I hadn't really noticed before and I thought, you know, it's funny, we often talk about the you know, the headline players and, and the ones that, you know, everyone knows their name. There are a few that really stood out to me this week, and I'm going to challenge people to keep an eye on them. Lisa Webb from Fremantle. Cousin Lisa. Um, Ashley Anderson at Brisbane. So she had 16 disposals, six tackles and a goal. Shay Audley, I thought was awesome in that Carlton GWS. I love that girl. She's good. Again, 14 disposals, six tackles. Um, I thought Bianca Jacobson going from Carlton to Melbourne. um, She's just slotted in beautifully. And Ashley Atkins for Frio as well. And she kicked the first goal at that stadium. So every week I'm just going to be looking for new people to... Follow. I yeah. also saw Tegan Cunningham, who I oh. haven't really known. I, she had some really golden moments. And, I mean, she's a big, tall, you know, amazing looking player. Um, I just was really impressed with... Um, she's really bolstered that Melbourne forward really line. lifted down there and, and had some key moments mm. that really were pivotal to the result, I thought. The Melbourne win was huge. Um, there was so much scoreboard that, you know, the AFL would have been happily sitting at home and rubbing their bellies. We <laughs> spoke up. We, we spoke. We spoke with Mel Hickey. After the game, she was bouncing off the wall. So we're out at Casey. We're in the rooms with uh, Melissa Hickey, who is smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> yes, very happy. Very happy. Such a great team win. I think um, we kind of stuck with them quarter time. It was probably um, neck and neck. And then we just pulled away and um, just everyone stood up when they needed to. And 
Um, still a few things to work on, but I think we really executed what we were trying to do. Did you prepare for the Crows of last year or for the Crows of this season? Um, I think they played pretty similar to what they did last season. So um, obviously they're missing a few of their, their better players. But um, we knew that, you know, when, when better players step out, other people step up and take their opportunities and that they'd be pretty hungry. Obviously they lost the first round. They, they wouldn't want to go zero and two. It's, it's a long way back if you get zero and two. And, um, yeah, we knew they'd be hungry. And, and they came out in first quarter and then the start of that third quarter. But, um, yeah, we held them. Your skills as a team looked really sharp today. Is that something that was, is it, is it one of those days where everything went right or have you guys really been working hard on getting those things right over the preseason? Yeah, it's probably something we pride ourselves on, obviously um, being able to pick the ball cleanly off the ground and, and with that pressure um, in women's football, it really stands out. So it's something we've been working on. Um, and just our movement pattern and trying to open the game up and um, obviously take it to the other side where, where there's less congestion. We've been trying to work on that. So. Um, still didn't do it as well as we wanted, so we'll keep trying to kind of refine that. But um, yeah, it's good. Um, we want to talk about your goal, but um, but before we do, Tegan Cunningham's been a bit of a revelation. Yeah. Can you tell us what it's like to have her around the group? Oh, she's amazing. Obviously, she's come from a, a pretty professional environment um, playing basketball and her leadership, and she's just an awesome chick to have around the club. Like she's just um, so encouraging of each other of of the group and. Um, yeah, she, she doesn't mark it, she brings it to ground and she's just a competitor, so yeah, she's awesome. And now talk us through the goal. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure if I was going for goal. I saw Mifo kind of pop out the back there and um, obviously you want to go long to your nice tall forwards, but um, the wind, I think, carried it that little bit extra and I thought, shit, I'm on here. <laughs> Next minute, it's in straight through the middle, so. That yeah. goal by Newman was pretty great too. Like, how oh, was yeah. her run? When she puts, when she puts her burners on, no one can catch her. She's a ripper. Yeah. There's a really nice vibe in the rooms, understandably, like you're two and zero for the season what are you all going to do now how are you going to celebrate um so i'll let you in on a bit of a tradition we we chuck valerie on so amy winehouse we get in the ice bars i know we have a sore throat after because we're sitting at the top of our lungs um so if you stick around you might not might be in for a treat i believe that that's your nominated karaoke song should you ever sing karaoke with the outer sanctum I, this is the inspiration so you warm it up and we'll bring it next time <laughs> Just no ice baths. Have a few drinks, so maybe postseason we'll do it. Congratulations, Melissa Hickey. Thank you. One thing that really buoyed um, Melbourne was that amazing goal by Alicia Newman. Mm-hmm. It was extraordinary, they, wasn't it? The Alicias are killing it in the <laughs> AFLW. They are. True. Um, and big congratulations to the person who dubbed her the Speed Demon. <laughs> I thought that was so that clever. Was clever. <laughs> it was almost, it, it reminded me a little bit of Buddy's run down the wing mm, at the mm. MCG. Um, so three bounces. But did you see um, Jess Warshner from mm, yes. The Boundary? Yep. That was awesome. We we were evenly divided. I said the Newman goal was the winner, but my husband was all over Jess 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 Wushner's. Well, Is the other one that's the in there, the, the Wush. I'd put um I'd put Hannah Scott in there as well because yeah. yeah. she kicked one from about forty meter out, forty meters out, just kind of off a step. The yeah. good thing about Jess Wushner kicking that goal is she's been really vocal and I think sometimes when players are vocal and there's not many of them who don't just do one week at a time, when players are vocal 
and you love it because for the fans it's so exciting to hear them speak actual human words with their actual human <laughs> mouths that um, then when they take it to the field and they can kick a goal like that, you go like, oh, yeah, that's not mm, going to affect your game. That's fantastic. I think the other record that happened on the weekend too was um, Sarah Hosking laid 16 tackles in a game, which nice. is a new record for AFLW. So There was also an extraordinary amount of reports and... Sanctions, yes, Alicia? there was. I mean, Adelaide defender Ange Foley has accepted a one-match sanction after being charged uh, by the review panel. Um, she went on need, Captain Daisy Pierce uh, at Casey on the weekend. And um, also Frio's Stacey Barr and Alicia Jans have both been charged with uh, striking Collingwood's Chloe Malloy. Chloe was just on fire, so I think they tried to get her. and She uh, got some heat, didn't she? She got some heat and... The bar strike was a two-match suspension but downgraded to one. But it's just interesting to see those plays. I don't know what you guys thought, but I didn't think that it was vicious. Anything was vicious. But um, I think they were, they were pretty physical on yeah. Malloy. And, that, you know, I heard the coach after the game saying, you know, she's pulled up with bruised ribs and a bruised jaw and, wow. uh, you know, gave a knowing look to the cameras as he said that. So and I think there was Foley, a bit going on there. And Foley was pretty tight on Daisy all yeah. day, which doesn't often happen. But she was really tight on her, mm. so I thought I thought she looked a little frustrated at the. Do you think I think she looked a bit frustrated mm. during that game? I thought actually Sarah Perkins looked pretty frustrated as well. She really yeah, did. yeah. Other players copying criticism. We talked, we've talked, and I think we talked about this on the radio show on Saturday about Mo Hope and um, Meg Hutchins not playing for Collingwood. But one thing that I did notice was there was an article um, that was put out about Mo Hope, and I think. I feel that Mo has probably we we don't know Mo we haven't uh, I haven't spent any time with her and I we've never we haven't had her on the show or anything like that I think you guys might have met her once but um, from observing her I feel like this is a situation where she was kind of chosen and handpicked she didn't nominate herself to be the poster girl for mm. AFLW season one and what a lovely byproduct of that is that she's been able to. Um, get other income streams and whether that's through promotion and, you know, having sponsors and things like that to support herself and her family. And we know the backstory of her family. Um, But there's been so much criticism when she doesn't play well. It's like the haters, you know, the people on Twitter who have no actual real name and no actual real Mm. photo of themselves. um, they, They seem to think that that's the litmus test for whether or not the whole competition is going well. But what was interesting is her sister actually came out and said some stuff on Facebook this week and she said, it's about time someone writes something true. This is about Mo. I'm sick of seeing all the lies and cover-ups. As her sister, I see what and how they are treating her at that club. It's disgusting and I'm sure when the season is over, she will tell you all the truth. She played in a VFL top-up game yesterday and kicked six goals took over 10 contested marks and had 20 plus um, possessions I'll leave that here Mm. so whether there's a story that we're going to hear coming out of Collingwood um, I thought it was unusual to see uh, families going into Mm. bat on social media like that but um, laying off Mo I think is probably a good option well it's not like the rest of the team is you know stepping up either so I think for her to cop the brunt of that seems really unfair and does point to maybe some problems at the club. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. There was some articles in Adelaide as well about Sarah Perkins and I think, you know, it's a double-edged sword of, you know, when you've had a good season last year, 
people look to you to just repeat it. And I think, you know, Sarah had copped a little bit of criticism. She was on the Sunday footy show and she's just great. I love listening to her. She does sound like a footballer. Mm. I love that. (laughs) She's got the one week at a time going. Um, One thing after reading Sam Lane's book is I'd implore people to call her Perko. She doesn't really like the nickname Tex and, you know, I'd seen that used in headlines and I think, you know, if someone's come out and said, yeah, prefer this as a nickname, I think we should adopt it. Mm, And I just wanted to attribute that article that had elicited those um, comments about from my hope sister, I think, was Girls Play Footy. Right. Yeah, so on Sarah Perkins, um, she's a great example of what we have to start thinking about in terms of the AFLW, that it's like everybody's forgetting that this season is it's more intense. Every game has different weight. Um, The stakes are higher relative to the AFLM because they literally are seven games before a final. And um, so in terms of, you know, people are measuring – a player's performance on two games. The fact is it's still only two games for them of, of playing time. So um, I think we have to keep that in mind. The other thing to think about too is one game, one bad game can make or break a season for that mm. purposes, but it also means injuries. Um, even what could be a minor injury can have a really significant impact on the player's football, um, the, you know, the career of their football um, sort of life, but also just outside of their football. And the, in terms of um, impacting their ability to earn money and whether it affects their day job, um, whether they have to take leave, uh, all those sort of extra, extra implications that the AFLM doesn't have. In the same way that the MRP penalties don't necessarily aren't necessarily adjusted for the AFLW. So in terms of the uh, match review and penalties, the two matches for an AFL penalty would be 9% of the home and away season, right? For an AFLW, that's 28%. Mm. That's more than a quarter of that season. And so that, when we look at, you know, some of the stuff you were talking about, Alicia, with the um, the the penalties that came have already come out so far, that hasn't been adjusted. It's the same for the fines. So um, one of the things I, there are two things I think we need to think about for the AFLW in the future. And one of them is we have to make some adjustments for this. It's not like the injury recovery time is less. It's not like... The, um, you know, that they don't have the same impact, they don't have to put in the same time in rehab. That's not being factored in with the remuneration factor. Um, so, I, I mean, I think they should be looking at per game rather than the hours spent. That might be one way of, of looking at remuneration for the future seasons. But I also think we have to come up with a smaller penalty than a one-match game. And I think for the AFLW, we should consider the send-off rule or a sin bin. I know, I know. People are going to yell things at me. And I know that we're probably not set up for it entirely yet, but in the future. Pink cards. Yeah, well, something, I just think 10 minutes off a game can really have an impact, can work as a deterrent, but not necessarily impact the player's ability to maybe be best and fairest or for the whole season or even, you know, the effect it will have on whether they get selected again the following week because there is no reserve for them to get match fitness, the the stakes are just much higher. And, Can I and disagree on the with spot, you? <laughs> 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 you are dying to do that. Yes, go. Well, no, only because – so part of the, the thing with penalties is that usually it's because you've hurt someone. So if that impacts their ability to play, like that doesn't change either. But I think in terms of like a sin bin, I think we've talked about the difficulties of that 
putting it on an umpire. So I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that the umpires would be up to policing that properly. And I don't think you'd want to have a sin bin situation unless you've got really good technology. So you can actually, you know, in sports where they do use it, they often use um, video technology to actually review it because mm. otherwise it's, you know, the issue if you get it wrong is massive and and I would hate to see you know we've talked about this in the AFLM and decided that we don't want to go down that path I'd hate to see them bring it into AFLW and have another you know experiment I, I mean I hear you on that and I'm reluctant but I just don't know well obviously that the ideal would be they extend the season and have a proper season I mean that would be the the answer to all of this and make it so that they are equivalent and that there it doesn't mm. have that relativity factor but I just I feel like one match suspension and you can't just ignore it uh, if there is um, impact you know they've got a, a system with the intentional and the meet high medium mm. and low impact um, intentional versus reckless those sorts of different uh, distinctions I I don't know, you know, if there's a better option of what we can do as a, as a lower level um, penalty, I'm keen to hear them. I feel your pain and I think it's so worth looking into further, but hashtag I'm with Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> I, Vote I, now. <laughs> I, I would just encourage the AFL if they're going to look at that to maybe practice those rules on another competition. You know, don't try it out on AFLW. Yeah. Try it out try on AFL, Alex. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess the issue that I keep coming back to is how do you take something away as punishment when you actually don't have much to begin with? Mm. Yeah. You know, and that's what we were talking Very about true. when talking about memo gate. Um, how can you sanction them not doing the formation that you want them to do when, you know, it's not going to affect whether they're getting main games on Channel 7 mm. prime time? So, um I don't know. I like that you batted something up, Nicole. I like that you opened your brain head and you know had a, I don't had a normally good do hard that. Think about it. Yeah, no, it was a nice change, to be honest. Um, I brought my A game today. <laughs> Lucy, you've been following um, ACLs like a fake doctor for yeah, a really Dr. long Google. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked about this at the start of um, today's episode, but you know we have seen a number of knee injuries, and it's awful and we hate seeing it. We saw a number of them last season too. What we do know is that women are at higher risk than men across all sports of having a severe knee injury. Um, Brooke Patterson, who is a defender for the Melbourne Footy Club, is doing her PhD on this issue and she's looking into ACL injuries. She's quoted as stating that women are two to three times more likely to rupture their ACL um, and there's a numbers of, number of reasons for this, and most of them tend to be physiological. There is also a little bit of discussion around how often knee injuries occur early on in the season, um, so when that training load's increasing, but also when the grounds are a little bit harder. Um, what's important, I think, is that just because there is that high risk, it, it shouldn't mean that women shouldn't play sport because we know what the benefits are of people being involved from all, all, all levels. Um, what it does mean is we need to do everything possible to help prevent these kinds of injuries. Now, the AFL engaged Latrobe back in November to conduct a pilot ACL prevention project, and that's in all of the Melbourne-based teams. So that's that's interesting, and we'll see how that all works. But do you remember we spoke to Bridget Barker last year yep. about a similar screening and prevention program that they've had at Melbourne Uni football club for a number of years so I'm just going to play a little bit of um, that chat we had with Bridget last year. In 2016 with the seniors we began an ACL prevention program um, and we've just begun it this year obviously devastated that we didn't do it in 2016 for the yeah. juniors um, but either way it's it's seen uh, you know 
a huge decrease in um, the women's uh, ACL for the seniors last year. And it is as simple as, um, well, it's not that simple, it's complex, but um, fantastic in that you screen um, the women, take the data on various, um, you know, sports science things that I don't quite understand around <laughs> how they land and, uh, you know, how their knees fall this way or that way or whichever. Yeah. And they can take that data, give a specific program for those women who are um, who are at major risk on account of the screening, but then yeah. more broadly they create a warm-up program which um, ensures that all the women on our whole list and now the under-18s as well are strengthening their core muscles and the muscles around, um, you know, various parts of their legs as well to help prevent those types of injuries. So just to clarify, so are you screening juniors and seniors now? Yes, we are. So, um, yeah, we've screened a number of the juniors. We've obviously got a whole lot of new ones coming through, but even just in the um, in the few that we did pre-Christmas this year, um, the physio said that there's a lot of them, particularly sort of going through the latter end of puberty or starting puberty for some of them, um, who were showing some pretty big risk factors and risk signs. So um, we have already started a program with the juniors for them to learn, um, yeah, all the sort of ACL prevention exercises. And how successful was it for the seniors? You said you had implemented that already. How did it go? It was really great. We um, touch wood, I keep saying, but we had no no senior women do their ACL in 2016. So according to Brooke, similar programs in other sports have been shown to decrease injury by up to 50%. Um, the other part of the conversation is what you alluded to earlier, Nick, that if players do sustain an injury, we need to make sure that they're well looked after. So, Emma, you heard some talk from the AFLPA about this. I did, and I spoke to the AFLPA this morning and they sent me through what are the guidelines that cover injury for things like the ACLs um, that are happening um, in the contracts for the AFLW players. So players are covered for loss of non-football earnings for one year post-injury. Um, they're covered for 80% of net weekly income or $2,000, whichever is less. Um, their players are covered for any medical expenses for the duration of their contract and for 12 months thereafter. And the um, PA makes contact with all of the players who suffer serious injury to make sure that they're aware of the contractual provisions set out and to make necessary claims for them under loss of earnings and to generally check in with the player and make sure that they're aware of support that is available to them, including their well-being. So that um, I felt that the AFLPA has been really proactive mm. in understanding that if you're a part-time athlete and um, that you're going to have different requirements and your rehab's not going to be the same as if you're a full-time AFLM player. Can I just say what amazing um, people um, Bree Davies and Izzy Huntington are, the way they mm. have managed what happened to them on the weekend. Mm. I think um, Bree came out and was quoted saying, look, I'm, I'm devastated, but I'm also really excited about taking a new path this year. Um, oh, gosh. You know, Izzy was out there singing the song at the end of the game with a brace on, unfortunately, the other knee because she's already had one reconstruction. Yeah. Um, oh, just huge props to those girls and for absolutely. the way they just backed up and, oh, I don't know, yeah. impressive and I'd say Kirby Bentley as well, who's just so behind the scenes at Frio, is just um, absolutely part of the team, absolutely there cheering everybody on. Um, yeah. I just want to know about the dry ground and how that has an impact. Are there studies or will there be studies on a summer ground as opposed to a winter ground? Because surely it's harder and uh, I don't know how that affects play. We, we might find out after a bit of AFLX this mm. week. Um, you know, we're going to take... 
elite players who are used to being on very large, round, um, soft winter ovals and put them on small, square summer ovals where they're going to have to turn corners a lot more quickly. Yeah, Um, a lot more more stopping and starting um, and harder grounds. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we're not seeing a whole lot of the – the, the big names um, being named in the teams for, it's the for AFLX. I think it is the preps. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think we talked earlier about they, they might institute the buddy program yeah, where one senior player is responsible for looking after a little one and making sure they get out in the field all right. Matt Fife did come out and say he wouldn't be playing uh, Frankenstein football because he was at home washing his hair. Ooh. Yeah, fair enough. I love I it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just the other thing too is, you know, as we know, most of the research that's been done around um, rehab but also about training um, approaches and strategies and, and conditioning of the body, it across most sciences are based on the male body. And mm. this is a, a, a problem that comes up over and over again with medications, with all aspects of, of what is known, known science, is that more often than not, it was based on the male and that the, that um, women's bodies were too fluctuating and too complicated and, and weren't reliable as a basis for science, which is 50% of the population. So, But also means, obviously, that my, much of the um, you know, dosage and all of the sorts of things that they base, um, you know, diagnosis and um, prognosis and all those sorts of decisions on are not appropriate for the female body. And we're seeing this play out in sport a lot. And mentioning that, the the blog that La Trobe Uni actually have where they link to a lot of different programs, they are programs that are designed for men. So I think the challenge, especially when we've got so many more women and girls playing at grassroots, is to make sure that those resources are available it, and that they're appropriate. I um I have a son starting university next week, and one of my uh, tips to him was don't sign up for any medical research. I actually think that <laughs> sometimes broke uh, uni students are, are your target market for medical yes. studies, and yes. maybe the boys need the money more than the girls. The thing that frustrates <laughs> me about ACL chat, and and it's bad because it, I don't know whether to go here, or go on with this, but that I don't like it when it appears that women are weaker. Um, physiologically because actually the reason why women are doing ACLs is because our hips are different. The reason why our hips are different is because women can, some women are fortunate enough to be able to give birth. And so it's actually a real positive. Yeah, it's a source of strength. And it doesn't mean that it should omit us from playing sport and going hard and using our bodies hard as well. One thing that I will say is that um, while these uh, hideous stories for these players who are missing this amazing season um, is that Katie Brennan's chapter in Sam Lane's book really talks about injury and talks about how it's actually become what happened to her last year is now one of her greatest probably moments and it has really defined her and it's allowed her to take the next step, which is amazing. Okay, I have a question for you. The Demons are tracking well. If they are the first team through to the grand final and they play another Victorian team, where should that grand final be played? We should build a stadium right now. (laughs) (laughs) Really fast. Nicole, where do we play it? I have no issue with them playing at the MCG. I am confident that we could fill it for a grand final in Melbourne. I am really confident that the um, the players would respond brilliantly to the incredible surface and the atmosphere of that place. Um, Melbourne would not let down a, gra- a grand final at the MCG. It's funny you should say that because um, if you're looking at the schedule or a fixture, it could actually be 
the curtain raiser to Melbourne's first game of Melbourne AFLM's first game for the season. Oh, we could Ooh. switch them around. Well, that's scheduled already at like 3.20 yeah, or something right. like that. So, well, maybe we could. Maybe we could. Play Please. later, just not at Casey. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, do you know, I, I actually think if it's two Melbourne teams, I think it would be fantastic for it to be at Princess Park. Mm. And it doesn't have to be Carlton. I mean, we play the AFLM Grand Finals at the MCG, whether that's your home ground or not. I think um, the atmosphere there when you have 24,000, 25,000 people in the ground is extraordinary. Um, I think there's a great opportunity to set up live sites outside, um, as long as they promise not to do it at night, because yeah. that lighting mm. there is horrific. Day um, one. But a day match there, uh, I think it would just be a beautiful, beautiful thing as long as I could get a ticket. I reckon they can yeah. get more than 25,000 though. That's the thing. I think they could get, if they, at a game, I think at the grand final, they could get more than that. But do you need, do you what? need more? I mean, do you I, remember the atmosphere in that packed? You don't want people to miss out. Yeah, that's no, the but thing. But you also it's don't want a lack out. of atmosphere from empty seats. Oh, I'm confident. All my mums are fighting today. <laughs> <laughs> So Lucy and I have been banging on about Sam Lane's book for, you know, months now. It came out last Monday. Um, finally this week we sat down with her and I'm not crying, you're crying. One thing that you've done completely unintentionally, or maybe you tell me, is that you have validated seven-year-old Lucy and seven-year-old Emma who, and a host of other women, I would imagine, who had to defend their love of football in 1979 and 1982 and 1990 and you have validated what we were loving individually on our own suburban dot points on that Australian map. Was that intentional? (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me feel so happy that that's what you feel. Uh, That prompt, Emma, and thank you and Lucy, that prompt takes me back to a day where I was writing it and I was in a local favourite having a bit of a cuppa, probably the third very strong triple thousand long black Uh, and I was in that, I think you'd call it a status of of angst and I just thought, oh, I don't have enough voices, I don't know who I'm quoting and it was about this introduction, uh, the first 70 pages of the book And actually this day my angst was that I felt I hadn't spoken to enough men that I was really used to quoting at the age when I worked there. Uh, And I sat in the cafe. I had this feeling like this brainwave and I thought, you have spoken to the key people who made this happen in the AFL. You have spoken to Sam Moston, Jan Cooper, Debbie Lee, Shiloh Curtis and all these people around, you don't need more. And I sat there and I cried. (laughs) And it was the most, it was a revelation for me even as a journalist. I was like, what power structure have I been in actually? And so if the flow-on effect is that it validates other experiences, well, I think that's related because what I was doing right there, even though I was already writing a book about these people, right there in that moment I realised that they were the voices I needed, that they were the big four and that they were more than enough to speak for (laughs) this thing that we now know as AFLW. 
that chapter, the State of Origin chapter, is is quite extraordinary because we've we've heard snippets of the the birth story of AFLW, but to hear it in such a comprehensive and in such a warts and all way is quite revelatory. Had you been gathering clues through all of your time around football? Yeah. I gathered my first clue when Jan Cooper actually changed my life (laughs) by inviting me and making it happen um, to the first game of football that I ever saw played by women and I do reference it in the intro but the the backstory to the very small reference in the intro was that I was working at the age uh, I'd written things that really did get up the AFL's nose let's be frank and so uh, when I got an invitation to speak at an AFL event I was a little bit surprised <laughs> because that didn't happen very often uh, the invitation actually came via Jan Cooper who I didn't know from, as she would say, a bar of larks. And uh, so I'm going off to speak to an academy and she she described it as a young academy. When I read a bit more, it was actually the first ever academy that had been put together for women and girls, uh, handpicked by Jan and Debbie Lee of the best talent in Australia. Now, I didn't know how could we we have known uh, in the room that night when I went to speak to them about media were uh, Kirby Bentley, Daisy Pierce, Astor O'Connor, Lauren Arnell. They were teenagers um, and here I was speaking to them and I think I started the whole thing by saying I'm really happy to be here. I'm not shy, sure what I can tell you because I'm intimidated by you. You play footy. I just speak about it. But the whole session went really well and Jan loved it. And anyway, she said to me afterwards, we're playing, they're playing on the MCG tomorrow. You should come. And so off I went um, because I couldn't say no. And Jan was like the hardest tag you've ever had in your (laughs) life. She just stood next to me the whole time and was explaining everything every single player's backstory, took me into the rooms. I was so taken by what she was telling me as a journo. You know, these were just gold, golden stories that I rang my sports editor at The Age, Alex Lavelle, at that time, and he's now the editor of The Age in Chief. And I told him just in this rush of sort of enthusiasm what I'd seen and what I'd heard and they're going to start an AFL league and it's going to be 2020 and this is the vision. I've got Jan Cooper and he said, this is great. We're a very slow day. Can you write everything you just said? And lo and behold, it turned up the next day in the midst, the double page spread in sport. Now, uh, women's footy had never got that place in the age. I'm not sure about the Herald Sun, but I'm guessing it hadn't either there. And what overwhelmed me after that was the flood of uh, thanks that came. And then I noticed how much it had been picked up on social media. And this is, you know, you guys are well familiar with this, that it hadn't had a mainstream place But what it showed me, and it was a very big clue, was that there was this supporter base that uh, went elsewhere. The first 70 pages, as you say, it's really plain speaking and and it pulls together stories that would be uncomfortable truths for a lot of people Mm. who have a lot of power because footy has a lot of power. Mm. But reading it, my query was how much of this book was from your feminist heart and how much was from your sport heart? Mm, well, they're, they're impossible to separate, Em. Like, you can't. I mean, 
goodness. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. I think it's ultimately I'd like to say it was just from a, a love of footy heart because all I want and I know you guys feel the same way is just, we just want footy to be better. And so it was frustrating when you knew that it wasn't being to use modern parlance its best self it wasn't because it was not empowering women to do what makes women and girls legends in footy which was just allow them to be footy legends and play on the biggest stage in an elite competition with your support please afl please yeah and that door was just being beaten on over and over again and we you know once you've grasped that, you just can't understand it. And so it's actually insulting while it's not happening because you keep going to these wonderful women in industry AFL lunches knowing sitting there that the best thing you can do is just start a league, like make it happen. Your book really fills out the backstory for the people that you talk about and shows how in the case of some, those one-line descriptors were actually very difficult to, to wear. Was that your intention in bringing these stories to the public? Oh, I think my intention was to try to um, <laughs> be an infectious source of appreciation for what I was learning. So every time I'd learn a bit more about the characters that are featured in here, I think, oh gosh, if people knew this. I thought a lot about Brian Taylor, about Basil Zemplis, about Luke Darcy, Matthew Richardson, Cameron Ling, the people who I work with every day who are experts in in the men's domain and I thought if I can get them to read this and be interested I've done my job and I know that the way you do that is just make people human. This week we saw a few um, language matters moments (laughs) and one of which was the um, a nightly news bulletin in Melbourne on the television that said in 72 hours footy is back. What was lovely to see is that um, social media got on board and people are saying hang on a minute footy's been back for two weeks and I thought that that was quite overwhelming there was a lot of support but the other thing we heard on um I think Gary Lyon said he'd been talking about AFLW and then he said okay now let's talk about um footy proper so mm. I think that there's still a way to go because um you know there has been some fairly good decent coverage I think of the AFLW um in the media but there's still a long way to go with language but one thing that I wanted to talk about is you know how there's the W on AFL house at the moment do you think they're going to take that down at the end of the season Lucy I do think they're going to take that down. And part of my evidence for this is that I heard Steve Hocking talking during the week and he basically said, you know, we've got the AFL premiership season, which we really need to respect. And now we've got these two other formats talking about oh, AFLW wow, and wow. AFLX. Mm. So in did my he mind, say that to your face? He did hear it in, <laughs> straight into my ears mm. and I thought, oh, that's an interesting perspective. I thought you were going to say, I know it's going to come down because they only made it out of paper mache. I was waiting for the blue tack. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So my issue with it is this. You can take the W down, but then you have to change the name of AFL to AFLM. 
officially. Maybe they could because just put the W upside down for the other part of the season. <laughs> it's a great That's idea. That's a good cost-saving yeah. just, just, just on a pivot. It's a yeah. great idea because mm. if you're going to have AFL out the front of AFL House, right, that's what it's called, so that is the governing body, then it has two products. Let's ignore AFLX for now. Just for now. And for a little while after now. Forever and so ever, So let's have – so you've got AFL-M and AFL-W. Um, so you either – change the name of the AFL-M competition officially to AFL-M and then you have AFL-W or else you leave the W up. This has been my problem with the the, the branding from the beginning and, and, and I've mentioned it before, the frustration that there's that, that AFL didn't just simply incorporate it as a women's game, that it had to have its own logo, its, its own, you know, its own As opposed Twitter. to cricket, yeah, well, which that's... basically changed the name of the men's yeah. team yeah. to the men's team. Yeah. Well, it's not you that either, complicated. Yeah, you Other either, sports have done it. You either put up the W and, as you said, put up a separate logo for the men's or you don't put up anything and you just call it all AFL. Yeah. Well, maybe they could call it Lady AFL because um, <laughs> I don't know whether you heard the Olympics this week that uh, a certain announcer started saying, well, coming up next is the Lady Moguls. And I don't know if you've seen <laughs> Moguls where, you know, they ski downhill and go shit, 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 shit the whole way and they can actually impale, the, their knees can impale their chest. It's such an amazing sport. Um, so incredible. And, of course, you had Brit Cox and Jakara Anthony who came fourth in the end, you know, these incredible women and uh, being described as the Lady, the lady Moguls. It sounds like a, a new song, My Lovely Lady Moguls. <laughs> well, we have well, the lady going down the lumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the Lady Chips or the Lady Moguls. So maybe Lady mm. AFL? Yeah. So Lady AFL. Sounds French. The only good takeout is a year ago, we wouldn't have even been having this conversation. It would have been us shouting into the void and a handful of other people. Now it is a conversation everybody's having. Yeah. Uh, maybe it hasn't quite, you know, permeated mainstream media in the way that we'd like it to. But, you know, I did notice that Fox Footy was doing The Boys Are Back. So now there's a little bit of a nudge-nudge boys club aspect to that, but it isn't saying the footy's back. Yeah. So, and I, I kind of took that as a step up um, in their promotion of the AFLX. So, you know, I, and I do, and also the fact that the social media was was actually inundated with people querying that language. So, I'm going. The, the winds, the groundswell is there. The windswell is an optimist. I'm we'll trying know, to be. We'll know if real changes afoot if there is a memo. <laughs> Should there not be enough Zuper goals? <laughs> <laughs> and it's also great that AFL have uh, put up. A survey so you can give your thoughts on the AFLW. So go to the website and give your thoughts. And if there's enough people putting mm. positive thoughts their way, maybe they can uh, take some of those vibes on. Well, based on the comments on social media, lots of people have thoughts on AFLW. Yes. So why don't you put them to good and yeah, mm. fill out a survey rather than just, um, I guess, Troll Lucy trolling on Twitter. Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> She's had a big week. Can we look at the games coming up? I'm going to my AFLW uh, app. I'm living and dying by that AFLW app. Are you yeah. all over it? Yeah. Okay. So who's got the games? Lucy Race? Adelaide are going to play Bulldogs on Friday night at Norwood Oval, mm. which is a lovely, pretty oval. I do think it looks lovely. Do you think that it will be lovely if Adelaide gets one Miss Erin Phillips back? I think, I we're, think all... we're hoping that she'll come yeah. back. Do we have a word on this? I, last night the talk was she's very keen, but they said 
last week she said the same thing. I know. Um, but, she, but she said she said last week she was 100%. She said last night I'm 99.9%. Ooh. So I feel like even Good though play. that's a step down, it might be a step up if that makes sense. And let's hope there's toilets and uh, enough to accommodate because last year the problem at Norwood was that it was there was just these ex- stupid queues. Yeah, and people the, missed half the game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. waiting mm. for the toilets. Mm, that did happen to me at Witten the other day. But mm. anyway, keep going. But Adelaide need to win. They really yeah, need to win. They, they really need to and win. And I think the Bulldogs are going to have uh, – there's some steely determination mm. about that team. Yep. I can't mm. see the Crows getting anywhere near no. them. No. No, Ooh, no they need to, like but it's not looking good, is it? Mm. No, it's not. Um, the Carlton, next game is – Carlton and Brisbane at Princess Park. So this is going to be the battle of the chat because you know Taylor Harris put it out there and it was – and I think offence was taken. Katie Ashmore came back – with a bit of a war of words, and we know that Jess Wushner doesn't mind a chat. So I'll be intrigued to mm. see how that plays out. Will Taylor play is another yeah. big question because mm. she got pretty badly injured with this flying tackle right on the siren mm. at the end of last week's game. I was so impressed with her work rate, by the way. Yeah. Um. So it would be so disappointing if she wasn't playing in this She's had in shoulder game. problems too before, so that this is not good. But, I mean, the talk is that she's okay. So um, whether that's because it maybe it looked worse mm. than it was, she's I don't know. She's a tough cookie. But, she's yeah, it was, it was quite something, wasn't it, to see her face just she, – she was clearly in a lot of – pain, a yeah. lot of distress. She landed badly. It wasn't a good – I kind of felt that when I was watching. I found that really hard to watch mm. at the end of last mm. week's game when some of those um, blue girls were crying mm. um, because I just felt like there was so much build-up and, you know, Damon keeping hadn't been well and I just felt like there was so much pressure on these girls. I just want them to have a massive day out, you know, mm. a real celebration. I feel mm. like Carlton's had two wins that They're everyone's on top of the talked down yeah. and I feel like GWS <laughs> has had two losses that everyone's talked up. True. So yeah. true. Yeah. Although, yeah, yeah. Mm. Although I, I think the, I, I think it'll be interesting the the Collingwood GWS game um, at Olympic Park. Um, kind on of both Sunday afternoon. Yeah, on the Sunday afternoon. Um, I mean, you know, GWS definitely looks stronger at the moment. I don't know. I haven't heard any selections for Collingwood. I'll be interested to see if Mo does get another mm. another chance if she gets a, a Guernsey. But um, and Georgie Parker as well. Yeah, yeah. They've got they've got a, they've got some movement. They've got some things they can do. So mm. whether they just mm. decide to do that or not, um, but we haven't seen their best football yet, and I'm hoping that they there, can bring. There it was together. a few good signs last week, and. Um, you know, I think for Collingwood, for Collingwood, I think that yeah. um, Mel yeah. Kyes had a half. great game. Yeah. Mel Kyes yeah. is She's one right. of those Burning ones on the list, yeah. uh, on your special list of ones to yeah. watch. I reckon. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Have no, we got I a special list? I've got a special just list. Lucy's special oh, okay. list. Yeah. Everything about Lucy's special. You're on it. <laughs> You're on it, Alicia. Oh, She's got two lists, Alicia. and you don't want to be on her other one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shit, Liz. The burn book. Um, and will Alicia Eva be targeted by her former club? Oh, yeah, that's going to be. If they can catch her. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Got to catch her first. Oh, no. um, and the Demons going to free, Fremantle. Go, free They're o. going on the road. So the Demons are actually going away for – they've got two games on the road and they're not coming home in between. So – Oh, really? What they get, where are they going to stay? Such strength. Really? Mm. Yeah, no, they're oh, because they're off to Darwin. They're away yeah. Darwin after. the week after. So oh, gonna, is the extra gonna... time going to be there in Darwin? Are they taking no, the extra in, time it's there? it's in WA. They're going to have R&R in oh, WA. Nice. So if you've got a memo for them, you're going to have to fax it. Airbnbs right. mm. on the way? Probably. Mm. And a lot of sing-alongs, I would imagine. <gasps> yeah. I feel like that's going to re- – I mean, they're already a powerful team. I feel like that is going to consolidate. It's going to be a game-changer for them. Yeah. I'm. I'm – 
quietly confident, but I'm mm. now, you know, I'm a supporter, so I'm also nervous. Yeah, and biased. So and cute. biased. <laughs> um, before we sign off this week, I just wanted to um, talk about Hannah Mouncey received a decision overnight um, saying that she would be um, eligible and approved by the AFL to play in the VFLW. So that is um, a big and exciting prospect for her to make it clear that that does not impact and it does not speak to what the policy is going to be about transgender players applying to play in the AFLW. That is something that is still a policy in progress and I suspect it's still going to be a ways off but um, it's great news and um, we haven't spoken, we haven't got Hannah on the show today but she did um, put out a statement on Twitter last night which was, again, very astute. So if you want to follow that up, you can. Um, but any final business, ladies? Just the AFL-X is being played tomorrow night. You've got the Pool A of Port Adelaide, Geelong, Fremantle, Pool B, Adelaide, Collingwood and West Coast. Friday at uh, Doc- the Docklands, you've got Carlton, Melbourne, North, Hawthorne, Essendon, St Kilda. Saturday in Sydney, GWS, Richmond, Brisbane, Sydney, Western Bulldogs, Gold Coast. As we said, the preps are playing. It'd be really interesting. <laughs> um, you know, the new format th- with the square... And after a goal or a behind, the ball is kicked out from behind the goal line, so not taken back to the centre for the centre bounce. So this is going to be just an interesting great. thing. At the end of the match, they'll have to put their shoes in their library bag and <laughs> take them back I, and pop them under their chair. Can I just do a shout-out to <laughs> Beck Goddard, who has a book club for the Crows. Um, all the players are part of this book club. And I just want to say I endorse it wholeheartedly and I can recommend some titles if she wants some. Oh, so I, wow. it's this massive thing and all the players are part of the book club. I thought the book it's, club was going to watch the AFLX. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's how much great. do you want to be in a book club with Beck so Goddard? Much. So much. I'm probably oh going to read a book during AFLX. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are so mean. I know. What if it's but the greatest thing? time for no, it? it actually, no, let, let's be optimistic. What if it is actually a revelation? What if it is <laughs> the greatest thing we've ever seen? We'll love it. This, yeah. You know, I have yeah. not prepared for that. No possibility. Okay, you right. know why? Because I feel like it's a, it, I feel like it's just taking away the shine mm-hmm. from our truest love. Yeah, you know the women's game. Yeah, the women's game. I don't even have time Thanks to talk to my out. family <laughs> apart from those that I podcast with during <laughs> AFLW. So yeah. I don't have time for anything it's just else. More competition for our time. Thank you for your constant support. We've been loving all the messages on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and also everyone who's been listening to our ridiculous show on Saturday mornings, um, which is hopefully a little bit tighter than this rabble. <laughs> we'll be back next week with. One Dr. Kate's here back in the house, I suppose. Um, so thanks for listening and here's a treat. We're going out with something really fun. <laughs> for Melbourne supporters. Go deep.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.